Shalom and welcome to the Hebraic Heritage Ministries Yeshiva Discipleship Program. And in this session, we are going to be covering the subject of what the rabbis teach about the Messiah in the New Testament application. This is the second part of the teaching on this series. This is part two of two. The rabbis teach that the light dwells with the royal or the kingly Messiah. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 1, page 3, it is written, Rabbi Abba of Serongeya said, And the light dwells with him, alludes to the royal or the king Messiah. The New Testament application is that Yeshua is the light in the light of the world. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, it is written, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, meaning all things were made by the one who was called the Word of God, who is Yeshua. In this we can see that Yeshua is the one who created the heavens and the earth, and he did it by his Word. Psalm chapter 33, verse 6. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Life in Hebrew is high. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 15 it says see i've set before you this day life and good and death and evil and it's speaking about the commandments of the torah and in verse 19 of deuteronomy chapter 30 it says and i call heaven and earth to record this day against you that i've set before you life and death blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both you and your seed may live. So choosing life is choosing following the Torah and the commandments of the God of Israel and the one who gave the Torah, who is Yeshua. Yeshua not only created the heavens and the earth, but he gave the Torah. So in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Yeshua is the life, but if you choose Yeshua, you keep his commandments. He said in John chapter 14, verse 15, so in Yeshua and in the Torah is life because they're one and the same. They're synonymous with each other. And this life is the light of men. The Torah is called light in Proverbs in chapter 6 and verse 23. It is written, for the commandment is a lamp and the Torah is light. So Yeshua is light. And the Torah is light. Yeshua is life, and the Torah is life. John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was Yochanan, or John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that is Yeshua, that all men through him might believe. John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. Yeshua referred to himself as the light of the world in John chapter 8 verse 12 and in John chapter 9 verse 5 as it is written. Then spake Yeshua again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. Walking in darkness means not following Torah. If Yeshua and the Torah are light, if you walk in darkness you're not following Torah and you're not believing in Yeshua. But you shall have the light of life. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Yeshua also referred to himself as the light and the light of the world in John chapter 12, verses 36 and 46. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may be the children of light. These things spake Yeshua and departed and did hide himself from them. John chapter 12 verse 46. I am come a light into the world that whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. 
The rabbis teach from Micah chapter 2, verse 13, that the Messiah is the one who breaks forth. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 2 to Genesis, on page 799, it says, And it came to pass as he drew back his hand, and she said, Wherefore hast thou made a breach for yourself? Genesis in chapter 38 and verse 29. Genesis chapter 38 and verse 29 speaks about the birth of Perez. And she meant this one is greater than all who will make breaches. A play on the meaning of Perez. For from thee will arise he of whom it is written, The breaker is gone up before them. Micah chapter 2 and verse 13. Let's look at some other references where the rabbis give the understanding and interpretation that Micah chapter 2 verse 13 speaks about the Messiah. The first reference is from the book Sound the Great Shofar by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson on page 19 where he writes, Our sages associate Mashiach with the word Peretz, the one who breaks through. Or as in the verse, he who breaks through shall ascend before them. This is the task of the Messiah, to break through barriers or barriers of exile. In the Torah Anthology of the Twelve Prophets, Volume 2, on page 26, in commenting about Micah chapter 2, verse 13, which the first part of the verse says, the one who makes a breach goes up before them, the commentary reads, the scripture speaks here of a Savior who will deliver the Jewish people from their distress. Their deliverer breaks down enclosing fences, removes thorns in sharp obstructions to smooth the way before them. Possibly this alludes to the Messianic King, and we've seen references where this definitely refers to the Messianic King. In the book Living with Mashiach by Rabbi Emmanuel Shohet on page 35, the commentary to Micah chapter 2 verse 13 in the book reads, of Mashiach, it is said, the Peretz, the one who breaks through, i.e. the one who clears all obstacles and barriers, is gone up before them. Micah chapter 2, verse 13. The New Testament application to the Messiah being the breaker or the one who breaks through is associated with Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. And the parallel to this in Luke chapter 16, verse 16. The understanding of Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, which reads, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The Hebraic understanding of this comes from an explanation found in the book, Understanding the Difficult Words of Jesus, by David Biven and Roy Blizzard Jr., beginning on page 123, they're going to explain how Hebraically that this verse is associated to Micah chapter 2, verse 13, the one who breaks through, the one who breaks forth, and how this is associated with the Messiah. And the explanation will show how Yeshua is associating himself with this thought. This saying is certainly difficult to understand. It is not just ordinary Christians who have been stumped by it. There seems to be no satisfactory explanation of this verse even in scholarly literature. Apparently, a great deal of violence is connected with the kingdom of heaven. However, that does not agree very well with the rest of the teachings of Yeshua. Many and varied have been the attempts on part of the ministers and scholars alike to explain this passage. The key to its understanding turns out to be an old rabbinic interpretation or midrash of Micah chapter 2 verse 13 discovered by Professor Flusser. And I've shared with you some references and other places regarding Micah chapter 2 verse 13. 
Micah chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 reads, I will gather all of you, Jacob. I will collect the remnant of Israel. I will put them all together like sheep in a fold, like a flock inside its pen. It will be noisy and crowded with people. So verse 12 speaks about the house of Jacob and them being likened unto sheep that is going through a pen and the rush to get through that pen. And then the verse says the breach maker, or in Hebrew the porets, goes through before them. And this is understood to be the Messiah. On page 124 of Understanding the Difficult Words of Jesus, it goes on to say, Then they break out, passing through the gate. They leave by it. Their king passes through before them, their Lord at their head. These verses are full of rich imagery. It is a picture of a shepherd penning up his sheep for the night. He quickly builds a fold by throwing up a makeshift rock fence against the side of a hill. The next morning, to let the sheep out, he makes a hole or a breach in the fence by tossing some of the stones aside. He steps through his gate with the sheep following close behind. They have been penned up all night and can hardly wait to get out of their cramped quarters. Of course, they push and shove, several trying to get through at once, literally breaking through, further breaching the little gate in their eagerness to get out and into the green pasture. Finally, they burst out into the open spaces, rushing headlong after their shepherd. In Micah chapter 2, verse 13, the breach maker and the king are, of course, the same person. But in the rabbinic interpretation discovered by Professor David Flusser, they are two different persons. The breach maker is interpreted as being Elijah and their king as the Messiah, the branch of the son of David. Now we can begin to understand what Yeshua is saying. He is not only hinting at Micah chapter 2 verse 13, but also at a well-known rabbinic interpretation of it. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is breaking forth, not suffering violence. And every person in the kingdom of heaven is breaking forth. Literally, those who are breaking out break out in it or by means of it not the violent take it by force. Compare Luke chapter 16, 16, which is the parallel to Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. So this Hebraic thought got lost in the translation. Two tremendous things are now happening simultaneously. The kingdom is bursting forth into the world like water from a broken dam, and individuals within the kingdom are finding liberty and freedom. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, as in the Midrash, Elijah, or John the Baptist, is the breach maker, the Peretz. He makes the breach in the rock fence and goes through first. He has opened the way. He is the Elijah of Malachi 3.1 and Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 who goes before the Lord to prepare his way. As in the Midrash, Yeshua the king follows Yochanan. Yeshua is the Lord himself who leads the sheep through the gate. It is a powerful image. Yeshua is again teaching his disciples about the kingdom of heaven, his movement. It started when Yeshua began calling disciples through John's active ministry, the days of John the Baptist. Since then... The kingdom of heaven has been breaking out. Those who are following Yeshua are eager to break through or break out into liberty and freedom that is brought about from Yeshua and from his redemptive work. Thus, the kingdom is breaking out and the members of the kingdom are breaking out. In Micah and also in the Midrash, it is the Lord and his sheep who are breaking out. The rabbis teach that the Messiah has healing in his wings. In the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 3, page 390, it is written, Thus says the Lord, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, wherewith I have put her away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, for your iniquities you were sold, and for your transgressions was your mother put away. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 1. With Moses too, did I make this condition concerning them, as it says, 
If you lend money to any of my people, even to the poor with you, you shall not be to him as a creditor. Exodus chapter 22, verse 24. But if you transgress these commands, I will hand over to pledges. It goes on to say, that is, until the coming of the Messiah, and of the Messiah it is written of him, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. This is Malachi chapter 3, verse 20 in a Jewish published Bible. But in the King James, this is Malachi in chapter 4 and verse 2. The New Testament application that the Messiah has healing in his wings is understood that on the corner of one's garment in the Torah it was commanded to wear fringes or zitzit. This is found in Numbers chapter 15 and verses 37 through 40 as it is written. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and bid them that they make them fringes, or zitzit, in the borders of their garments, throughout their generations, and that they put upon the fringe of their borders a thread of blue. And it shall be upon you for a fringe, that you may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and to do them, and that you seek not after your own heart and your own eyes, after which you used to go whoring, that you may remember and do all my commandments, and be holy unto your God. So the rabbis teach the Messiah has healing in his wings, and on the wings or the corners of the garments you are to wear fringes or zitzit. The New Testament application is found in Mark chapter 5, verse 25 through verse 29. It is written, In a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Yeshua, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. She's touching the corner of his garment, which contains the zitzit, which that represents remembering to keep the Torah or the commandments of the God of Israel. And it's when we keep the Torah of the commandments, which is our life, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, is how we get healed of our plague or the negative consequences of sin. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So Yeshua has healing on the corner of his garments. The rabbis teach that the Messiah will reveal the inner meaning in the known as the sowed of the Torah. The hidden meanings, the mysteries, the spiritual application of the Torah is called the sowed of the Torah. In the book, Anticipating the Redemption by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, volume 2, page 36, he writes, Mashiach will be called both a teacher and a king. Mashiach will teach the Torah to the entire Jewish people and convey a fine, discerning, and knowledgeable application of the Torah's inner meanings. Because of this influence, Messiah will be considered as a teacher or a rabbi. Rabbi Schneerson writes in his book, From Exile to Redemption, Volume 1, page 158, that the sowed is the deeper meaning and deeper dimension of the words of Scripture. When we read Scripture, we primarily understand it at its surface level, which is known as the Peshat, the literal. But what we read literally has a deeper or a spiritual meaning or application. This is known as the Sod. And the Messiah is understood to come and to teach the Sod, the deeper meanings of the Torah. So therefore, Rabbi Schneerson writes, the coming of Mashiach is the revelation of the innermost mystical dimension of the Torah. 
Rabbi Schneerson goes on to say regarding this concept in his book, From Exile to Redemption, Volume 2, page 10, Mashiach will teach all of Israel the mystical or the deeper understanding of the Torah and the reasons hidden within the Torah which will be revealed in the future time. This is alluded to in the verse, He kisses me with the kisses of his mouth. That is Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2, on which Rashi writes, There is a promise from God that he will again appear to the Jewish people to explain them its secret reasons and hidden mysteries. The New Testament application is that the Torah is likened unto a proverb, and the Torah contains hidden understandings. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 6 says, To understand a proverb in the interpretation, the words of the wise. The words of the wise is a deeper understanding of Torah, which is called wisdom, and their dark sayings. Now, Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 and 11, it is written, And the disciples came and said unto him, Why do you speak unto them in parables, which Proverbs 1 6 defines as being words of the wise. And Yeshua answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries, which is the sowed of the Torah, of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God, which is the Torah of God, which is done in parables and proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 6, in a mystery or a sowed, even the hidden sowed wisdom. The rabbis teach that the Messiah will seek the lost sheep of Israel. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, volume 1, page 14, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson writes, The Midrash relates that when Moshe Rabbeinu noticed one day that a lamb had run away from the flock, and had strayed in the wilderness, he left the flock and ran after it in order to bring it back. From this we can learn how meaningful every Jew is in the eyes of Moshe Rabbeinu, even if he is a Jew who has run away from the flock. And since the first Redeemer, Moses is called the first Redeemer, is also the last Redeemer, that is a reference to the Messiah, it is clear that what is true of Moses is likewise true of Mashiach. So Mashiach will go after those lost sheep who have strayed away. The New Testament application is found in Matthew chapter 18, verses 11 and 12, where we're told how Yeshua seeks the lost sheep of Israel. It is written, For the Son of Man has come to save that which is lost. How think ye, if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine and go into the mountains and seek that which is gone astray, that one sheep which is strained from the flock? Continuing on, Matthew 18, verses 13 and 14. And if so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoices more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. In Mark chapter 6 verse 34, we also can see how Yeshua sought the lost sheep of Israel. And Yeshua, when he came out, saw much people or the multitude, and he was moved with compassion, mercy, toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd and he began to teach them many things yeshua is the good shepherd john chapter 10 verse 11 and verse 14 it is written i am the good shepherd the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. John chapter 10 verse 17, Yeshua explains because he's the good shepherd, he is willing to lay down his life for the benefit and goodwill of the sheep. Therefore does my father love me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. The rabbis teach that Jonah symbolizes Messiah ben Joseph or the suffering Messiah. In the Torah Anthology, 
On the Twelve Prophets, Volume 1, page 524, it is written, According to the sages, Jonah symbolizes the Messiah, son of Joseph, or the suffering Messiah. The New Testament application is that Yeshua's earthly father was Joseph, and he came at his first coming as the suffering Messiah, and his suffering is symbolized by Jonah. Matthew chapter 1, verse 16, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Yeshua, who was called Messiah. Messiah ben Joseph is a term for the suffering Messiah. John chapter 1, verse 45, Philip finds Nathanael and said unto him, We have found him of whom Moses and the Torah and the prophets did write, Yeshua of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Jonah is a sign of, of the resurrection of Yeshua, who is the suffering Messiah, symbolized by Messiah ben Joseph. Matthew chapter 12, verse 38 and 40, it is written, Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from you. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The rabbis teach that in Isaiah chapter 8 verse 14 that Messiah is the stone of stumbling. And this is the interpretation of Rashi who is one of the most widely known and respected Torah commentators in Orthodox Judaism. From the book, The Messianic Idea in Israel by Joseph Klosner, on page 432, he writes, regarding Isaiah chapter 8, verse 14, And he, the Messiah, as interpreted by Rashi, shall be a sanctuary to Israel, is what Rashi explains, but a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to both houses of Israel. In the Torah Anthology of the Twelve Prophets, volume 2, page 49, it explains how the Messiah is like David, who is a stone that the builders rejected. The Messiah, regarding him, it says, But God says that, nevertheless, out of you will one come forth to me who is to be ruler in Israel. Micah chapter 5, verse 1. Thus it says, The stone which the builders despised became the chief cornerstone. Psalm 118, verse 22. Until there will come Shiloh. Genesis chapter 49 verse 10, Shiloh refers to the Messianic king. The New Testament application is Yeshua is the stone of stumbling of Isaiah chapter 8 verse 14. In Romans chapter 9 verses 32 and 33 it is written, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at that stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense, and whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. Also in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 6 and verse 8, it is written, You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, the holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua Messiah. Wherefore also it is contained in the scriptures, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believes on him shall not be confounded. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, Isaiah chapter 8 verse 14, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. The rabbis teach that the Messiah is stricken on the cheek with a rod. From the Torah Anthology of the Twelve Prophets, volume 2, page 47, to Micah chapter 4, verse 14, in a Jewish published Bible, it says, They will strike the judge or the ruler of Israel on the cheek with a rod. Some interpretations say that the ruler of Israel refers to the Messiah. The New Testament application is that Yeshua was smitten. Matthew chapter 26, verses 67 and 68, it is written, Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Messiah, who is he that smote you? 
The rabbis teach that Isaiah 53 speaks about the Messiah. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, Volume 2, page 142, by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, he writes, and he's quoting from the Talmud, Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi encountered the prophet Elijah as he was standing at the entrance of Rabbi Shimon ben Yakai's cave and asked him, When is Mashiach coming? And by what sign shall I recognize him? He is sitting among paupers stricken by wounds. To these words Rashi adds, They are leprous and so is he, as it is written. He is ailing because of our sins, and it is likewise written, He has borne our sicknesses. Isaiah chapter 53, 4 and 5. In the book From Exile to Redemption, volume 2, page 145, Rabbi Schneerson goes on to explain, What is the name of the Messiah? His name is the White One, according to Rashi, Metzora, the leper of the house of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, for it is written of him. In truth, he has borne our sicknesses and endured our pains, yet we held him to be stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, from Isaiah chapter 53. In the teachings of Hasidus, leprous ailments have a lofty spiritual meaning. Continuing on with this thought, in the book From Exile to Redemption, volume 2, page 146, Rabbi Schneerson goes on to explain, Messiah is called a leper. This state comes about through the fulfillment of the verse, He has borne our sicknesses, from Isaiah chapter 53. The New Testament application is Yeshua fulfills Isaiah in chapter 53. Acts chapter 8, verse 30, 32, and 35, it is written, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And the place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and none like a lamb dumb before his shear. And like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at that same scripture in Isaiah 53 and preached unto him Yeshua. In the Talmud in Sanhedrin 98b, it is written about the Messiah and the relationship to Isaiah 53. And this is what Rabbi Schneerson was referring to in his book From Exile to Redemption. Rabbi Yohanan said, for the sake of the Messiah, what is his name? The school of Rabbi Shiloh said, his name is Shiloh, for it is written, until Shiloh come. That is Genesis 49, verse 10. The school of Rabbi Yanai said, his name is Yanon. Remember this, his name is Yanon, for it is written, his name shall endure forever. The rabbis said his name is the leper scholar, as it is written, surely. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him a leper, smitten of God, and afflicted. So this refers to Isaiah 53. And now we're going to look at a name for the Messiah here in Sanhedrin 98b in the Talmud is Yanon. In the services for the day of atonement in a book published by the hebrew publishing company out of new york copyright 1928 we are going to see in the prayers and we're going to look at page 288 in the section unfeign thokef that isaiah chapter 53 is mentioned and one of the names of the Messiah is Yanon. And so the prayer for Yom Kippur reads like this. Though he should be exceedingly angry with his people, yet will the Holy One not awaken all his wrath. We have hitherto been cut off through our evil deeds. Yet hast thou, O our rock, not brought consummation on us. Our righteous anointed is departed from us. Whore has seized us and we have none to justify us. He has borne the yoke of our iniquities and our transgression, and is wounded because of our transgression. 
He bears our sins on his shoulder, that he may find pardon for our iniquities. We shall be healed by his wound at the time that the Eternal will create him, the Messiah, as a new creature. O bring him up from the circle of the earth. Raise him up from Seir to assemble us the second time on Mount Lebanon by the hand of Yinon, or the Messiah. So the rabbis have understood that Isaiah 53 speaks about the Messiah. Messiah is based upon Genesis chapter 49 verse 11 from the Talmud in Berahot 57a. It is said about the Messiah that he would ride on a donkey. If one sees a choice vine, he may look forward to the seeing the Messiah, since it says, binding his foal unto the vine and his donkey's colt under the choice vine. Genesis chapter 49, verse 11. We can see the connection to Genesis 49, verse 11, that Messiah would, as it says, binding his foal under the vine and his donkey's colt unto the choice vine, we can see how this is connected to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, that the Messiah would be riding on a donkey from the book The Messianic Idea in Israel by Joseph Klausner on page 439. It reads, Let him expect the Messiah as it is written from Genesis 49, verse 11, binding his foal unto the vine and his donkey's colt under the choice vine. And the commentary to this is, For the Donkey as a sign of the Messiah's coming in connection with the verse in Zechariah. See Matthew 21 verses 2 through 5. For the choice vine, compare the branches which the admirers of Yeshua cut off and spread on the road. Matthew 21, 8 through 10. Mark 11 verses 8 through 10. In the Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, page 983... It associates Messiah with Genesis 49.11 and Zechariah 9.9 as it is written. Binding his foal unto the vine. This alludes to him who will gather together all Israel who is called a vine. As it says, you did pluck up a vine out of Egypt. Psalm 80 verse 9. And his donkey's colt under the choice vine alludes to him of whom it is written, lowly and riding upon a donkey even upon a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Another interpretation. And his donkey's colt upon the choice vine alludes to him who plants all Israel like a choice vine, as it says, yet I have planted you a choice vine. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 21. And what will he do? And I will sprinkle clean water upon you. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 25. We can also see the reference of Messiah to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, in the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, page 698, where it says, Donkey refers to the royal Messiah, for it says of him, lowly and riding upon a donkey. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, volume 2, page 101, he also explains that Messiah will ride on a donkey based upon Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. The donkey upon whom the King Messiah will be revealed as it is written. He's a poor man and riding on a donkey. The New Testament application is that Yeshua rode on a donkey when he went into Jerusalem during the final week of his life. In John chapter 12, verses 12 through 15, it is written... On the next day, much people that were come to the feast when they heard that Yeshua was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that comes in the name of the Lord. And Yeshua, when he had found a young donkey, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king comes sitting on a donkey's colt. The rabbis teach in the Talmud on Sanhedrin 98a, that the Messiah will come riding on a donkey and with the clouds of heaven. It is written, Rabbi Alexandri said, Rabbi Joshua opposed two verses. It is written, And behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, while elsewhere it is written, Behold, your king comes unto you lowly and riding upon a donkey. If they are notorious, 
If they merit it, he will come with the clouds of heaven. If they do not merit his coming, he will come lowly and riding on a donkey. In the book From Exile to Redemption, volume 2, page 6, Rebbe Schneerson explains that the Messiah will come with the clouds of heaven. The Talmudic sages speak of two possible ways in which Messiah can come, with the clouds of heaven or as a poor man riding on a donkey. It may be suggested that these are not mutually exclusive alternatives. Rather, Messiah will be both powerful, exalted on the clouds of heaven, and humbly self-effacing, a poor man riding on a donkey. Messiah is associated with humility. The Midrash teaches the donkey represents the king Messiah as it is written, a poor man riding on a donkey. This teaching unites two polar opposites, the king Messiah representing sovereign power and a poor man riding on a donkey representing humility. The New Testament application is that Yeshua not only rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, but he also explained that he will return with the clouds of heaven. Matthew chapter 26, verses 63 and 64, it is written, But Yeshua held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Yeshua said unto him, You have said, Nevertheless I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. The rabbis teach that the Messiah will appear and then he'll disappear. In the Sanchito Midrash Rabbah, volume 5, page 413, it is written, My beloved is like a gazelle. As the gazelle appears and then disappears, so the first redeemer, that is Moses, appeared and then disappeared. Rabbi Berechiah, in the name of Rabbi Levi, said, Like the first redeemer, so will be the final redeemer, that is the Messiah. The first redeemer was Moses, who appeared to them and then disappeared. The final redeemer, the Messiah, will also appear to them and then he will disappear. The New Testament application is that after Yeshua came at his first coming, he disappeared. He ascended up into the heavens. And he then said he will come back. In Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, it is written, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Yeshua, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The rabbis teach that the Messiah's feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, Volume 1, page 54, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson writes, The stance of Mashiach at the end of days is that on that day his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. In the book, the Midrash Rabbah, Volume 7, page 132, it also tells us that God's feet will stand upon the Mount of Olives. It says, in connection with our God, it is written, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4. The application as it relates to Yeshua is that his feet will indeed stand upon the Mount of Olives, even as we were told in Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 12, that Yeshua, when he went up in to the heavenlies that he would return in like manner he left from the Mount of Olives so he'll return to the Mount of Olives we can see his return on the Mount of Olives in Zechariah chapter 14 verses 3 and 4 then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle and his feet will stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives once again relating this to Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 12 the rabbis teach that the Messiah will gather the exiles of Israel in the Sanchino, Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, page 957 to Genesis. 
it says, What purpose will the royal Messiah come, and what will he do? He will come to assemble the exiles of Israel. In the book, I Await His Coming Every Day by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson on page 14, he explains that the Messiah will gather the 12 tribes of Israel, and in the book on page 14, he is quoting and making a reference to the Mishnah Torah and the laws of the kings and the laws concerning the coming of Messiah and Mishnah Torah was compiled and put together by Moses Maimonides, known as the Rambam. In chapter 11 of Mishnah Torah, The Laws of the King, Rambam writes, In future time, the King Messiah will arise and renew the Davidic dynasty, restoring it to its initial sovereignty. He will rebuild the temple and gather in the dispersed remnant of Israel. Whoever does not believe in him or does not await his coming denies not only the statements of the other prophets, but also those of the Torah and of Moses, our teacher. For the Torah attests to his coming. And then it quotes Deuteronomy chapter 30. And the Lord your God will bring back your captivity and have compassion upon you. He will return and gather you from among all the nations. Even if your dispersed ones are in the farthest reaches of the heavens, from there will God gather you in, and God will bring you to the land. So this is seen to be a work of the Messiah, to gather the exiles of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 5. These explicit words of the Torah include all that was said on the subject by all the prophets, or it's the summary of what the prophets spoke about regarding the role of the Messiah and the gathering of the exiles of Israel. So, in the laws of the kings and the coming of the Messiah from Mishnah Torah, which appears in Rabbi Schneerson's book, I Wait is Coming Every Day on page 18, it goes on to say, If a king will arise from the house of David, and if he gathers in the dispersed remnant of Israel... Maimonides writes, he is definitely the Messiah. Not might, not maybe, definitely. The Messiah gathers in the exiles of Israel. So if Yeshua is the Messiah, he must accomplish this task based upon the expectations of the Messiah in the Torah and the prophets. In the book, The Torah Studies, by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson on page 77, he writes these words, comparing Moses and the Messiah. The Midrash says on this verse, Moses said before him, Master of the universe, send, I pray you, by the hand of whom you will send, by the hand of the Messiah, who will be the future Redeemer. It can be inferred from the Midrash that there is a special connection between Moses and the Messiah. And it was because of this that Moses wanted the Messiah himself to be sent to Egypt. Nevertheless, the redemption from Egypt was the task of Moses. The mission of the Messiah belongs to the ingathering of the house of Jacob from all the nations where they've been scattered or the final exile. In the book, Messiah, the Principles of Messiah in the Messianic Era in Jewish Law and Tradition by Jacob Emmanuel Shohet on page 20, he will cite from the prophets the texts that speak about the role of the Messiah to gather the exiles of Israel. Through the Messiah shall be effected the ingathering of all the exiles of Israel. Proof texts, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 3 and 4. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 11 and 12 and verse 16. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 5 and 6. Amos chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 7 and 8. Ezekiel chapter 39, verse 25 and verses 27 through 29. Additional sources for the ingathering of the exiles include Isaiah 27, verse 12, Isaiah 49, verses 8 and 9, Isaiah 60, verse 4, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 2, and Jeremiah 31, verse 7, Ezekiel 34, verses 11 through 13, and Ezekiel 37, verse 21, Zechariah chapter 8, verses 7 and 8, and there are more than these. This is just a brief listing. This is found on page 21 of the book Messiah, The Principles of Messiah in the Messianic Era by Jacob Emmanuel Shohet. In the Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, page 946, it will explain the connection 
of Genesis chapter 49, verse 2, where Jacob tells his sons to gather yourselves together, that this is an allusion to the ingathering of the exiles of Jacob. It says, gather yourselves together from the exile of the ten tribes and assemble yourselves to the tribes of Judah and Benjamin. The text literally says in Genesis in chapter 49... Verses 1 and 2, Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what will befall you in the last days. Gather yourselves together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and hearken unto Israel your father. So the rabbis interpret gathering yourselves as gathering yourselves from the exile of the ten tribes and assemble yourselves to the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, who is the southern kingdom. This is the reunification of the twelve tribes. The rabbis teach regarding Jacob gathering his sons, that he warned them against division or dissension, bidding them, Be you all one assembly. Thus it says, And you, son of man, take you one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Ezekiel 37, verse 16. His companion is written, When the children of Israel unite in one man, then they may prepare themselves for redemption. For what follows this? And I will make you one nation in the land. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 22. In the book, A Matter of Return by Rabbi Eisenberg, on page 131, he will explain once again that it's the Messiah who gathers the twelve tribes of Israel. Jeremiah prophesied, At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all nations shall be gathered to it. To the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk any more after the stubbornness of their evil hearts. In those days the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel. Thus, a united Judah and Israel shall receive the divine presence. Isaiah foresaw, in that day it shall be that the root of Jesse shall stand for a banner of the peoples. To him shall the nation seek, and his resting place shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass on that day that the Lord will set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people that shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt, from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamat and from the isles of the sea. And he will set up a banner for the nations, shall assemble the dispersed of Israel and gather together the scattered of Judah from the four corners of the earth. From this prophecy, we can learn that the Messiah... The son of David will gather the dispersed of Israel, the vanished ten tribes, and will gather Judah from the far corners of the globe. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, volume 2, page 101, Rabbi Schneerson reiterates this thought as well. He writes, God will return and gather you from among the nations. Why is this the first and main verse that Maimonides cites as evidence that the Torah attests to Messiah's coming? Return from exile, for it is this that makes the complete fulfillment of the Torah possible. Because the Torah speaks about a messianic era. And the Torah speaks about breaking of the covenant at Mount Sinai being scattered in the nations and being regathered, and the regathering is associated with King Messiah in the Messianic era. So, in order to have the Messianic era, you have to have the regathering of the exiles. So, it's the regathering of the exiles that makes the fulfillment of the Torah possible. Traditional Christianity often says, well, Yeshua fulfilled all the law. He hasn't fulfilled this part of the law, at least not in its fullness. This is reserved for the second coming and for Messianic times. The New Testament application is that we are told that Yeshua is the good shepherd. He laid down his life to redeem the exiles of Israel. And he died on the tree for the purpose of forgiving the sins of the exiles of Israel so that they could be regathered through the redemptive work of Yeshua when he died on the tree by the outpouring of the Ruach HaKodesh. John chapter 10, verse 14. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Ezekiel 34, verses 11 and 13. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out 
And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. So Yeshua is the good shepherd and Ezekiel 34, which is one of the verses that speak about the gathering of the exiles, it says that God himself will search for the exiles of Israel who are likened unto sheep. So when Yeshua says, I am the good shepherd, but Ezekiel 34 verse 11 says it's Yahweh Elohim that goes and gathers the sheep. Yeshua is saying that I am Yahweh, that I am the Messiah, I am the good shepherd, and I'm the one that gathers the exiles of Israel. John chapter 10 verse 11 and verses 16 and 17 is where Yeshua explains that in order to gather the exiles of Israel, he must first die and lay down his life in order for this to happen. John 10:11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. John 10, verses 16 and 17. Other sheep I have. He's referring to the flock of the northern kingdom, or Ephraim, or the house of Joseph, which are not of this fold, meaning the flock of Judah, or the southern kingdom. Them also I must bring, that is the northern kingdom, and they will hear my voice. Those from the northern kingdom will become believers that I'm the Messiah. And ultimately, once this happens, there will be one fold and one shepherd, which is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Ezekiel 37, verse 24. Yeshua says, Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. We are explicitly told that Yeshua died on the tree to gather the exiles of Israel in John chapter 11, verses 49 through 52. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, You know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Yeshua would die for that nation. So Caiaphas prophesied that Yeshua would die for that nation. Then in John chapter 11, verse 52, it says, and not for that nation only. So Yeshua is dying for two different nations. Who are these two different nations? But he would gather together in one, the children of God scattered abroad. So these two nations are the children of God. They're scattered abroad, and they're to become one, just as the prophets prophesied. Yeshua is dying on the tree to gather together the exiles of Israel, northern kingdom and southern kingdom. And in doing this, he allows all whosoever who wants to join in to and participate in the redemption of his people can be a part of the redemption and can join in the redemption process. The rabbis teach that the Messiah will give them up until the time of travail or tribulation. In the Torah Anthology of the Twelve Prophets, Volume 2, pages 48 and 49, and commenting about Micah in chapter 5, which is verse 3, in the King James, it says, Therefore he will give them up until the time when she who is in travail at giving birth has given birth. I believe this is referring to the birth of Zion during the tribulation. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the children of Israel. The commentary is, Her suffering continues until she who has travailed has given birth. Thus it says in the book of Daniel, referring to this time, there will be a time of trouble such as never was since the beginning of the nation. Daniel chapter 12 verse 1. So it's referring to the tribulation. Then the rest of his brothers will return to the children of Israel. The rest of the people of Judah will return from exile together with the other tribes of Israel. Some explain that the scripture refers to the Messiah who will give them up. So the Messiah is going to give up the exiles of Israel, that is, in gathering them, until the time of travail. And once the time of travail, then he's going to gather them. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, Volume 2, page 72, Rabbi Schneerson is going to explain the major events of the Messianic redemption. The Messianic redemption will follow this sequence. The building of the temple, the ingathering of the exiles, and the resurrection of the dead. What I believe the scriptures explains is that first there will be an erection of an altar, 
that will happen during the tribulation. During the tribulation, there will be an ingathering of the exiles. Following the ingathering of the exiles, there will be the resurrection of the dead. And after the resurrection of the dead, Yeshua sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives, and he will rebuild or he will build the temple of the Messianic era. In the Sanchino, Midrash Rabbah, volume 2, page 901, it explains that it's the Messiah who rebuilds the temple. Thus, from the tribe of Judah was descended Solomon, who built the first temple, and Zerubbabel, who built the second temple. And from him will be descended the royal Messiah, who will rebuild the temple. Yeshua reigns from this Messianic era temple. Ezekiel chapter 43 verses 1 and 2 says, Afterward he brought me to the gate, even the gate that looks toward the east. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice like the noise of many waters. This phrase that the one who is coming from the east, who is called the God of Israel, his voice is as the noise of many waters, can be cross-referenced to Revelation chapter 1 verse 15, speaking about Yeshua where it says, In his feet like unto fine brass, his voice as the sound or the noise of many waters. And Ezekiel 43 verse 7 regarding Yeshua, who is the voice as the noise of many waters, And he said unto me, Son of man, the place of my throne, where I will dwell in the midst of the children of Israel forever. So Yeshua's throne is in the temple in Jerusalem, which will be during the Messianic era after he sets his foot down on the Mount of Olives. The rabbis teach that King Messiah will defeat the Roman Empire, who's also associated with Edom or Esau. In the Book of Redemption by Moses Nachmanides, or the Ramban, on page 53, in commenting about the book of Daniel, where it says that the image of the beast was smote, and upon his feet were iron and clay, and they were broke into pieces, that this refers to the Messiah who will prevail over the fourth kingdom, the Roman Empire, or Esau. The rabbis teach that King Messiah will defeat Esau. This is explained in the Mishnah Torah by Moses Maimonides and the laws concerning the kings and the coming of the Messiah, which is quoted in Rabbi Menachem Schneerson's book, I Await His Coming Every Day, on page 16, where it is written, Edom will be demolished. This refers to David as it is written. Edom became the servants of David. Edom or Esau becoming the servants of David is a foreshadowing of Edom or Esau or the Roman Empire being defeated by King Messiah. His enemy, Seir, will be destroyed. This refers to King Messiah as it is written of him in Obadiah chapter 1. Saviors will ascend Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esau. The New Testament application is that Yeshua defeats Esau or the fourth beast, the Roman Empire, which evolves into the New World Order system of Revelation 13 where the beast or the Antichrist rules for 42 months. This is the kingdom that ultimately is defeated by the coming of the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 63 verses 1 and 2 it is written, Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Who is he that speaks in righteousness, mighty to save? It is Yeshua. And why are you red in your apparel, and your garments like him that treads in the wine fat? He's red in his apparel because he's waging war. And when you wage war, you get bloody. And so the parallel to this is Revelation chapter 19, verse 13 and verse 16. And he, Yeshua, was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood. That's because he's fighting against the nations. And his name is called the Word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1. Revelation 19, 16. And he had on his vesture, on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The rabbis teach that Moses plus Ahad is equivalent to the Messiah. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, volume 2, page 15, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson writes, The letters of the name Moshe plus the letters of the word Ahad, or one, 
alludes to the all-encompassing unity of God are numerically equal to the letters of the word Mashiach. How is this so? Moshe in Hebrew is Mem, Shin, He. Mem has a value of 40, Shin 300, He 5, numerical value 345. Ahad, which is Aleph, Het, and Dalet. Aleph has a value of 1, Het 8, Dalet 4, that equals 13. Moshe in Ahad has a numerical value of 358. That's the numerical value of Mashiach, which is Mem, Shin, Yon, Het. Mem has a value of 40, Shin, 300, Yod, 10, Het, 8, 358. One way of looking at this is Moshe represents following Torah. Ahad represents his people following Torah or the unity of the tribes. When his people are unified and they're following Torah, that's when Mashiach comes. That's the meaning associated with that thought. When Messiah comes, he will teach the Torah to all nations. In the book, From Exile to Redemption, Volume 2, page 175, Rabbi Menachem Schneerson writes, If a king will arise from the house of David, this refers to Messiah who has two distinct roles. Here he is described as a king who compels all of Israel to walk in the way of the Torah. He fights the wars of God, which means he's fighting against that fourth beast in the end of days. He builds the temple. He gathers in the dispersed remnant of Israel, and he perfects the entire world. Elsewhere, Maimonides describes Messiah as a teacher and as a prince or as a leader. In Mishnah Torah, Chilhot Teshuvah 9.2, Messiah will teach the entire people and will instruct them in the path of God, and all nations will come to hear him. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. So, we understand that it's Yeshua who sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives and will be teaching the Torah to all nations. Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, it is written, It will come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the Torah, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. What is the summary of this lesson as it relates to what the rabbis teach about the Messiah? The rabbis teach that light dwells in the Messiah. That the Messiah breaks forth barriers of exile. That Messiah has healing in his wings. That Messiah teaches the soul to the Torah. That Messiah seeks the lost sheep of Israel. That Jonah symbolizes the suffering Messiah. Messiah is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Messiah is smitten on the cheek. Messiah bears our sins and sicknesses from Isaiah 53. Messiah rides on a donkey. Messiah comes with the clouds of heaven. Messiah appears and then disappears. Messiah's feet stands on the Mount of Olives. Messiah gathers the twelve tribes of Israel. Messiah rebuilds the temple. Messiah will defeat Esau and the fourth beast of the book of Daniel. Messiah will give up Israel until the time of Israel's birth pangs or the tribulation. And the Messiah will teach the Torah to all nations. And looking at these rabbinical expectations of the Messiah, we in this lesson have shown how all of these expectations have a New Testament application and fulfillment in Yeshua, the Messiah. I pray that this message has been a rich blessing to you. Remember always these words from 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him, he who says that Yeshua is the Messiah, ought himself to walk even as he walked. And how did Yeshua walk? Yeshua kept the Torah of his Father. We likewise should endeavor and strive to do the same. Because Yeshua said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.